Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And they remember the love and the care that they received in their homes. Now, you know, most of the goats leave and they don't come back again but there's a few that do, enough tolly. And, and so like the prodigal son, you know, and those goats, they come back with the verse 21 goodly words. And the goodly words, they come back with, I'm sorry for leaving. I was wrong to have left. Please forgive me. I'll never leave again. And when they do, they're just like those goats that come back. And, they, and then they never try to jump the fence again. Now, sometimes you and I, as hard as it is, we need to let them go. We need to let them take the jump because, you know, they think that they're going to have a happy life freedom. It's just like the father of the prodigal son. He didn't say to the prodigal son, well, I'm going to lock you in your room and put a guard out there. You're not leaving. No, he let them go, and then he prayed for them, and that's what we need to do, that they'll be like the Naphtali goats that return to the side of the pen with the goodly words who wanted to come back again. We need to pray that they'll be the Naphtali goats to return with good words. Now, the land of Galilee, the land of Galilee, or I should say the region of Galilee, that was the portion that Naphtali had. And so most of the apostles came from this region of Galilee or Naphtali. And the apostles, you know, they led a pretty rough lives. I mean, those fishermen were, were, were not exactly nice, you know, before they came to follow the Lord Jesus. So, so the apostles were all like, the, the Naphtali deer struggling to be free, and they jumped the fences, and they, they lived their wild lives. And, and when the Lord came, then those Naphtali goats came back to the fence of the pens, and when they came in, just like the Naphtali, verse 21, those apostles came with goodly words. Well, those goodly words, as a matter of fact, are the ones we read. They're in the New Testament for us to read today. Those apostles were the Naphtali people with the goodly words. Now, most of us fall into the category of Naphtali, where we struggled to get let loose, we went free, we lived wild, we sowed our wild oats. But just like Naphtali, we realize that life away, life away from God is not, is not good. And, and, and life that's free of God is not good. And life that's away from God is actually rotten. And we came to the Lord with the goodly words of Naphtali, verse 21. We came with the words of, Lord, I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. Please forgive me for my sins. I'm so sorry for my sins. And if you'll have me, then I'd like to receive the Lord Jesus as my personal Savior and God. Please come into my heart. Those are goodly words. Those are goodly words in the ears of the God. And God is faithful to respond to those goodly words. And that person is saved when they come to God the Naphtali way and, and with goodly words of repentance. Now, so far as now we've been covering all these different sons and when we take a step back and look at these sons, we say, man, what a diversity. 
What a vast diversity in the dispositions and, and the characters and the personalities of all these sons. And, and you sure they're really one family? And, but they were. I mean, Judah's like a lion, and Issachar's like a donkey, and Dan's like a snake, and Naphtali's like a deer. I mean, when you look at that, that is a picture of the church. Welcome to the church, where there's such a diversity of temperaments and gifts and 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 well, you can call it a gift, but anyways, ways and that can and, and people can and it can be so contrary to each other. It, it just as in Jacob's family, there was these twelve sons, which all became a large family and then became twelve tribes. They contributed to each other to the strength and the function of the church of Jacob as a whole. So instead of us grading on each other for being so different in the church, we got to see how God uses this diversity to make the church stronger and more effective. Now, at long last, Jacob comes, has come to his favorite son, Joseph. Oh, we can imagine Jacob coming to Joseph and thinking how special Joseph was to Jacob. I mean, they're the, the, clearly, this, the one verse that sums up Jacob's feeling to Joseph is Genesis 37.3. Genesis 37.3, where it just says, Israel as Jacob. Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. Because he was the son of his old age, he made him a coat of many colors. So, it, so Jacob here, he looks at Joseph, and he thought of Joseph, you know, of how Joseph was really young when Jacob had his conversion experience in Genesis 32. Joseph is born in Genesis 30. So it was with Joseph that Jacob had the opportunity to finally raise a boy in the knowledge of the Lord, what it means to submit to God. And Joseph really was the son of Jacob's old age. That's what he's called, the son of his old age. But really, Joseph was the son of Jacob's young age when you consider his being born again in Genesis 32 and that Joseph was born in Genesis 30. Now, we can imagine Jacob as he came to Joseph, and he's looking at Joseph, and he's thinking to himself, oh, Joseph, Joseph, what a delight you were to me at my house. Your name means he shall add, and boy, did God really add when he gave you to our family. And, and, I, and I expressed my delight when I made him that coat of many colors. What can I say about Joseph? So this is, the, this is, this is where Jacob is coming to as he's gonna, is he gonna bless Joseph with this, what can I say? What can I say? Well, he comes to a summary statement of Joseph in verse 22 when he says, verse 22, Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well whose branches run over the wall. Okay, now Jacob has called Joseph, he's painted a picture, He's called Joseph a bow, not just a bow, but a fruitful bow. So here again, he's using this symbol to describe Joseph, and Jacob thinks of, uh, of what it's like when he comes to his orchard of fruit trees with many branches, and, and many, and you know, most of the fruit trees, maybe he wouldn't call those, well, that's a fruitful bow, but once in a while, he comes to one and he says, now that's a fruitful bow. And I'm coming to an unusual fruit tree here that has a bough that has so much weight on it that it's weighing the branch down with fruit, as if that fruitful bough of that tree is calling out to others, hey, come over here, take some of this fruit off my branch. You know, the branch is calling out, 
I made this fruit for you. And if I continue to bear it, I'll break under its weight. I only thrive when you come and take the fruit off of me, and that's how I can get stronger and make more fruit. So please come take my fruit. I made it for you. And, and Jacob is seeing this in his mind when he calls Joseph a fruitful bough. That's how Jacob sees Joseph as a fruitful bough that brings blessings to others. When Jacob called Joseph a fruitful bough, Jacob was stating that Joseph was the tree that gave of itself to help others. Just as the tree with the fruitful bough lives to serve others, Jacob said Joseph was living to serve and help others. What a challenge that is for us today, that we want to be a fruitful bough. We should be a fruitful bough. All of us should be fruitful boughs in our lives. What a great statement to write on a tombstone. He was a fruitful bough, you know, because it's so easy for us to become so wrapped up and involved with our own personal problems. Don't talk to me. I got my own problems to take care of. That we just don't have time to stop and be a fruitful bough to help others. But th- this was the, th- this fruitful bough is really the description of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he said about himself, he said about himself in Matthew 20, 28, Matthew 20, 28, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Here's the Lord of glory who, who had, before he came, he had myriads uh, untold numbers of angels that waited on his every need in heaven. And when he comes to earth, he doesn't come with an attitude that he should be served. He, he, he doesn't come looking for others who would serve him. He came with the attitude of serving others. And he didn't come to have others meet his needs. He came looking for the needs of other people. You know, we go look for the other, you know, look for the, why should I look for trouble? He came. He came looking for the needs of others and how he could meet those needs. And what he saw was that the greatest need that he saw for a man, man needs a ransom. Man needs a ransom for his soul. And the greatest ministry that the Lord did for man was when he gave his life to be a ransom for man. It's so rare and refreshing to find a person with a servant's heart that's focused on what what, what can be done for others. And now I'm thinking of Ann Reed. Ann Reed, who used to come to chapel, who many, how many people here remember Ann Reed? One, two. That's it. Okay. She used to, well, Ann Reed, she was intensely looking for the needs of others and she labored to meet those needs. Do you remember that about her? That's just Ann. She was a supervisor over at a group of, of nurses at Grossmont Hospitals in the 70s and 80s. And, and, and you were a fate, fortunate patient if you landed on the floor where Anne was in charge. Well, anyway, what, what Jacob now, he goes on to describe how, how, how's Joseph able to be this fruitful bough? You know, as Jacob paints this picture of a fruitful bough, he says, well, it's by a well. That means, that meant that, that the tree with the fruitful bough, the tree had a good source of water underground that it was drawing from. You know, it reminds me of a stretch of road on Highway 94 when you drive from, you know, from Rancho San Diego out to Tecate and you get past, you get around Del Zura and you, Del Zura and you go outside, you go head out to Del Zura also outside of Del Zura on 94. And, and when, especially this is dramatic in the summer 
when, when you drive through 94, you're driving through dry gulch, okay? I mean, <laughs> bushes are dried up, fields are just, you know, crispy, crispy gold with dry plants, no water. You know, they call it semi-arid. I think it's more arid than semi. But anyway, and then all of a sudden, you come to this stretch of the 94 where all of a sudden you see the greenest oak trees growing along the side of the road, and you think, looks like Hawaii here, you know, and, and they're so abundant. The leaves are very green. You know, maybe you know what we're talking about? You know, so, yeah, you know. And, and at first it's a mystery until you find out those trees are planted where there's an underground stream of water. And, and it's a secret. It's a secret of the life and health of those trees. It's an under, it's an unseen underground stream. Well, this is what it's saying in verse 22. Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well. That well shows that there's an unseen underground source of water that, that Joseph's tree is drawing from. It's just like on 94. The conditions around look like the, 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 the well, look like those trees should be like the others, shriveled up and dead. But they have a secret source of water, and that's what Jacob is saying here. When you look at the circumstances in which Joseph was in, it looked like he should have just shriveled up and died, spiritually speaking. I mean, at home, Joseph lived among immoral brothers who hated him, and they treated him as the runt of the litter. And, and in Potiphar's house, he lived again among immoral people like Potiphar's wife. And in prison, he, he lived among the worst of Egypt's society. Now, all of those circumstances were like the heat of the summer of the plants, and, uh, you know, and, and it just looked like Joseph had just shriveled up and become immoral and bitter and self-protecting and self-serving, selfish like all of the rest. But he didn't do that. Joseph didn't shrivel up like that. He was cheerful. He was looking for how he could serve others. Why? Because Joseph had a secret source of underground water. He had this secret life with God. And that's what our secret life with God is all about. It's a life that meditates on God's words. Not just reads it, but meditates on it throughout the whole day. It's a life of constant communication with God and prayer. It's a life that's just occupied with God. And that's the picture of the secret, secret, secret source. That's the picture of the man in, in Psalm 1. The first Psalm who's described as, he doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. He doesn't, I mean, he doesn't, he, he, he doesn't, he, he, he doesn't stand in the counsel of the godly. He doesn't, anyway, he doesn't do those things, you know. He's not in the way of sinners. He's not in the, he's not in the seat of the scornful. But his secret is given in verse two of Psalm one. Psalm one verse two. His delight is in the law of the Lord. That's his secret source. And his law that he meditate day and night. See, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. See, that's the secret. The secret of the overcomers described by Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 17.8, Jeremiah 17.8, he shall be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when he cometh and her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Fruitful bough. See, the Lord loves the, to, to, to do that. He loves to give this water. He loves to do it. He said that in Isaiah 44.3. Isaiah 44.3, he said, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, 
and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. And they shall spring up as among the grass, as willows by the watercourses. Okay, so far, with brush in hand, Jacob has, with his words, painted another picture. Painted, in this case, a beautiful picture of Joseph as a fruitful bough with an un, uh, 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 from an unusual tree that has this secret source of underground water. And now it continues to add to the beauty of the picture. It continues to paint as he describes Joseph and what Joseph's branches do in verse 22. He says, Joseph is a fruitful bough, even by a fruitful bough by a well, whose branches run over the wall, over the wall. So here Jacob is painting this picture of Joseph, and there's a wall, and the wall is uh, wanting to keep the, the, keep the tree enclosed and keep the fruit enclosed and just keep it for the owner there. You know, like we had a cherry tree next to the school in Switzerland, and that was, you know, here were all of us guys were, and there was a cherry tree next to the school in Switzerland, and there was a wall there, but that was no problem for us. At night, we used to jump the wall. I shouldn't tell you this. It's like confession of sin, like the confession box here. Anyway, uh, so the walls, you know, try, supposed to keep the fruit for the owner, but Jacob has painted this branches as going off the fruitful tree, and the branches are running over the wall. They're running over the wall to give its fruits to the those on the other side of the wall. And that's how Jacob has seen Joseph. He's got these branches that are bringing fruit to the other side of the wall. Now, Joseph had his walls in his life. You know, first, there was the wall of his own hurt feelings in his home by, way of, by the way that his brothers treated him. And that wall of Joseph's own hurt feelings was saying to Joseph, be a rock, Joseph. Be an island, Joseph. Lick your own wounds. If you don't care for yourself, no one else will care for you. But Joseph said to that wall, no. I will overlook my hurt feelings. I will, I will minister to my brothers. I'll get them to stop doing the evil by getting my father to intervene. I'll carry food to them when they're off tending flocks. And when Joseph did that, the branch ran over the wall, went over the wall to carry fruit to his brothers on the other side of the wall. And then there was the wall of being a slave and sold to Potiphar's. And, and that wall said to Joseph, Joseph, if you know what's good for you, keep to yourself and just do what's expected. You're in Egypt now, and you are, to them, a despised and abominable Hebrew. So don't do any more than you have to. Just survive, Joseph. Just survive. And to that wall, Joseph said, no, I will not just survive. I will thrive. I'll make this house thrive. I'll bring blessing to this house, because that's what God has called me to do. And when Joseph did that, that was beautiful, because that was his fruitful branches going over the wall and bringing fruit to the to the other side of the wall, to the Potiphar's house in Egypt. And then when Joseph was unjustly thrown into the worst prison in Egypt and his feet were put in those painful stocks and he was left there to rot under the ground, then the wall said to Joseph, Joseph, see, you should have listened to me and minded your own business in Potiphar's house and not try to help them. Now look at yourself, look at you. You're gonna die in this hole in the ground so don't try to help anyone in this dark dungeon. But again, Joseph responded to that wall, no, I'll not listen to that wall. I'll help those I can. I'll minister to the prison guard. I'll help him by taking care of all the prisoners. I'll minister to the prisoners to see why they're so sad, and I'll interpret their dreams. And when Joseph did that, Joseph's branch leapt over the wall. They went over the wall. 
And then when Joseph was made prime minister in Egypt, the wall said to him, well, you've seen, you've seen how you, you got into so much trouble by helping others, so don't talk about God to these Egyptians. It's useless. Just look at all the idols and gods that they have. They won't listen to you. Just do the bare minimum. Again, I told you, survive. Just survive. Don't thrive. Someday you'll be able to leave this terrible country of Egypt, and you'll say, good riddance, and you'll go home, and you will never think about those Egyptians again. But again, to that wall, Joseph said, no, I'm going to tell those Egyptians about the one and only true God, Elohim. I'll look after their needs. I'll make sure that I've collected enough food food for them, not only for the Egyptians, but for all the peoples of the earth who are going to come to me for food. And when Joseph did that, Joseph's branches leaped over the wall. They went over the wall. They brought fruit to Egypt and all the world. And then there was a time when Joseph's brothers came into Egypt for food. And again, another wall spoke to Joseph and said, well, we looked at what the cat just dragged in. <laughs> it's your no good brothers who sold you into Egypt. Now the tables are turned. Now you can throw, you can throw them in prison. You can sell them as slaves. Like it's payback time, Joseph. After all that they did to you, don't think about helping them. But to that wall, Joseph also said, no. I'm going to lead them to repentance. I will feed them. I will nourish them. I will bring my whole family down here to Egypt to live in the best of the land of Egypt. And again, when Joseph did that, his branches went over the wall. They went over the wall and brought fruit to his family. Now, all of that is why Jacob painted this picture that we have in verse 22, where it says, where Jacob said about Joseph, Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well whose branches run over the wall. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would make us that. We want to be like that. We want to be fruitful boughs. We want to be the fruitful bough that's by the, by the secret source of water in your word, in you, in prayer, meditation on your word. We want to be, Lord, the branch to have that have all that fruit that runs over the walls for others. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Reach Israel. Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. 
early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, meals, teaching, creation museum, and tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cantor, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Grow deeper in God's Word with the Friendship with God King James Version Study Bible prepared by Tom Cantor. This genuine lambskin large print study Bible features the history of Israel, full-color timeline and maps, frequently asked questions about the Jewish Messiah, prophecy and fulfillment study, Hebrew root notations and definitions, the life study of Joseph, and so much more. Order your copy today for only $49.95. That's $49.95. And receive a free personal signed copy by Mr. Tom Cantor, along with your name engraved on the cover. To order your Friendship with God Study Bible, call 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Or visit us at creationbookstore.com. That's creationbookstore.com. 